Hello, and welcome to the Personality Psychology Podcast. My name is Lisa Moore, and today I'm joined by Drs. Paul Irwin and David Hughes to discuss their paper titled Towards a Taxonomy of Personality Facets. Welcome, Paul. Hello. And David. Hi, everybody. Thank you both for agreeing to be on the podcast today, and I'm very excited to talk more about your paper. But before we dive into that, can you tell the listeners a little bit about uh, who you are and what your research interests are. Hello, everybody. My name is David Hughes. Uh, University of Manchester is where I'm based, and my research focuses on the content causes and consequences of personality. In terms of content, that means I'm interested in trait models and developing as comprehensive and as robust measures of those as possible. And in terms of the causes and the consequences, I'm particularly interested in the workplace. I'm an organizational psychologist, so interested in how personality influences workplace outcomes and in turn, how the workplace influences personality, both short-term expressions of personality and longer-term personality development. I'm Paul Irwing, Professor of Psychometrics and Organisational Psychology at the University of Manchester. For the past 25 years, I've studied individual differences in cognitive ability and personality. My current research primarily focuses on the measurement of personality and personality regulation. Thank you so much. So the paper, as the title suggests, is about facets, the more narrow personality traits that fall under the broader dimensions like extroversion. Can you tell me a bit about what the goal was for doing this study? Sure. The overarching goal really was to develop as comprehensive and at the same time non-redundant a set of facets as we could get. So as many narrow traits without duplication. And importantly, to make them open access and easy for people within the research community to use personally for both moral and scientific reasons. I've always found it pretty frustrating that many of the major tools in our field are kind of locked away behind paywalls and that has all sorts of implications for access and research for around the globe. Tackling those two things, getting as broad and non-redundant a list as possible and making that as easy to use as possible. And, and so uh, if I can, I'm going to start the podcast with a little bit of a sales pitch in the sense that if, if listeners take nothing else away from this podcast, the website associated with the paper is facetmap.org. And on that uh, website, you'll find all of the definitions for the scales, all of the items, the user manual, and much more information too. That's all free, open access, totally unrestricted to use. So facetmap.org, if you want to use any of these particular measures. I guess your question also touches on some other issue, which is the goal was to produce this list. But there's a broader question, which is why did we want to pursue this, this agenda in the first place? And if I start back personally in terms of my PhD, which was looking at using personality traits to help people understand themselves and avoid getting into financial difficulties, what I noticed when I was looking at the traits that were particularly relevant is they've spanned all different types of models. Some were in the big five, some were in the hexaco, some were standalone traits. And really, you needed to take traits from all across these different places to combine them to get the best predictive and explanatory models. And of course, the IPIP is a really useful tool to facilitate this kind of work, but with one difficulty, which is the IPIP has hundreds and hundreds of scales, many of which are incredibly similar. There will be six or seven versions of a particular trait. And then on top of that, some of those traits differ quite a lot in terms of their item content. So it can be quite confusing for people to select traits from that. So we were looking to hopefully develop a list that kind of circumvented those limitations. If we date modern study of personality facets from the formulation of the lexical hypothesis in 1887, then when we began this project, there'd been over 120 years of study of personality facets. So much of it used either the lexical or psychometric 
tradition. And this had produced at a minimum 700 facets by, by that time, some estimates much larger. What there wasn't was a single complete list of these facets, which were unidimensional, discriminant, and free from jingle jangle. Jingle being when facets from different scales have the same labels, but different definitions and item contact. And jangle being when facets with different labels share similar definitions and item content. So our first objective was to integrate findings from this research and to make progress towards a single list of facets, which is as close as possible to being comprehensive, unidimensional, and non-redundant. And our second objective was to produce an open access version of the identified list of facets. Thank you so much for giving this first insight into what the study was intended to do. And also thanks for the sales pitch and for letting listeners know where they can find the facet map. That's really great. And it also sounds like a daunting task that you, you set out on. So thank you for doing that on behalf of the entire research community. I am going to play a little bit the devil's advocate here, but we already had a podcast episode on the big five versus the hexaco, so really these broad personality traits. And one may or may not wonder, why should we then care about these facets? So if we have the big five or we have the hexaco and say we at some point in time settle on either of those or both of those as, as good models to work with, why should we then also care about these facets that hang below them? So you're right. There's no doubt that many people would ask, why bother with facets when we've got these already existing models? But I guess those models already give some some backing and some answer to that, which is those models already have facets within them. And the broader factors, they kind of succinctly summarize those facets. And, and I think that really describes, certainly from my perspective, the most compelling reason that facets are interesting as a unit of study and personality. And that's that ideally facets are narrow and in an optimal sense, they'd be unidimensional descriptions of human phenotypes. They would describe singular regulatory patterns of thinking, feeling and, and behaving. And by definition, because they're singular, they're more precise. And so if we want to describe and assess or understand people, doing that in a way which is precise is always going to be optimal in comparison to broad factors, which are by definition multidimensional. That's what makes them broad in the first place. So they're aggregate summaries of multiple things. So you can get different flavors of extrovert. You know, you can be extrovert in different ways with different combinations of the facets and align them. So they're not competing in the sense that one is superior to the other. They're just different levels of description, both useful for different reasons. But if you want precision and richness of description of human behavior, then facets are um, a really useful unit of analysis. Uh, to respond to your question about why not the big five, I mean, there are a number of reasons, but I'll just state two. First of all, I mean, McRae in 2015 said that uh, quite a number of the facets were multidimensional. And also there's a huge amount of work, I mean, a lot of it by Pownonen showing that there are facets not included in the big five. So it's just not not complete. In terms of why we focused on 
facets. Compared with Trey's higher level of the hierarchy, such as extroversion, etc., facets provide improved prediction of most important associational outcomes. Now, historically, the opposite has been argued, but the explanatory supremacy of facets relative to broader factors is now well established across most domains of personality research. I think if I could just add one final particular point there in terms of why are facets useful, and it actually comes back to your very original part of the question, which is that many people do care about the hierarchical structure. And you mentioned your previous episode about the big five versus hexaco, which I, I listened to avidly. And within that, we can see that both of those models have utility. A lot of the arguments are about the psychometric structure, essentially, of, of the different traits. And so hopefully the more complete and comprehensive a list, and indeed without redundancy, because if you've got multiple versions of a facet, that might distort the hierarchical structure. And equally, if you're missing important, important facets, that also might distort the hierarchical structure. So if we can get a comprehensive, non-redundant base list of facets, that might actually help adjudicate between these different hierarchical models and which is appropriate in, in which situations. So now that we have a better sense of why facets and what do we want to know about facets, can you explain more about how you went about creating that facet map? I'm just going to provide a little bit of an overview, and then we've got multiple studies that we'll talk through. So, so bear, bear with us. It's a relatively uh, long-winded process. And the work encapsulated within this particular paper spans the best part of a decade with a you know, team of people. But essentially, we adopted what we describe as an iterative, multi-method, multi-stage approach, because any singular method to try and tackle this question is always going to have some degree of, of limitations. So we tried to use different methods and different approaches to balance the dif different strengths of those methods. What, what that often looked like is it meant we went as broad as possible to collect as many potential facets as we could through one method. And then we refined those to improve that list, make sure it's rigorous. We then adopted a, another method and went as broad as possible again, and then refined down. And we did this multiple times through, through a range of different studies. And Paul's going to talk us through study one next. Study one followed common practice in identifying a database which contained a, a relatively exhaustive list of non-redundant facets and subjecting this database to factor analysis. Uh, in our case, we semantically sorted, removed synonyms and factor analyzed 1,772 personality facets taken from seven major omnibus personality inventories. This included the Neo and uh, Hexaco. We supplemented this common practice with two additional steps. Because there's a good deal of simulation data which shows factor analysis does not accurately recover factors when item sets are large. And it also helps when there are more high loading items per factor. We semantically grouped the items in order to achieve these features and thereby facilitate factor recovery. We also subjected the results to panel review supported by further statistical analysis. And again, I mean, there's substantial evidence for the effectiveness of this procedure. Perhaps the combination of these techniques is unique to our particular study. So this process uh, resulted in final list of 61 base facets. We then built on that with two 
further studies. So as Paul describes, we, we had this initial base set of 61 facets that came from many of the major sources of personality. And typically that's where other studies that have tackled similar questions to this, they tend to stop at that point. So collect a lot of items, do some EFA, CFA, maybe refine them a little. And then that's kind of where they, they end. And we wanted to try and go further to make sure we were as close to comprehensive as, as we could we could get it. So the next stage for us was to do a systematic literature search. So we, we searched the whole literature for any other facet we could find that, that might be a candidate for an additional inclusion. And, I, and we found 706 facets in total. And then through an incredibly painstaking process, we went through each and every single item within all of those 706 facets. We read them, evaluated them, and compared them to the base set of facets to see if there was anything that we'd omitted. And that process actually demonstrated the vast majority of those additional facets were already contained within the base list. We actually found something like five or six versions of most of the base facets within that additional 706 potentially novel facets. So after, I mean, I think it took about two years there or thereabouts. And after that whole process, we found 16 facets that were clearly novel and added some value that we didn't have within the, the facet list. At that stage, we had 77 facets. We then created open access scales for all of those facets and developed definitions based on things like the APA dictionary and the broader literature. We then did a very standard final and third study, which was to administer those items to three different samples collected from three different parts of the world. We then subject that to CFA and a bunch of very common psychometric analyses. And I mentioned earlier this kind of approach of going broader and then narrowing. So at this point, we made it as broad as possible. We then subject the 77 facets to tests of discriminant validity, as they're typically called in the literature, a range of statistical and conceptual reviews where we compared scales that correlated highly to see if they were indeed unique or redundant. That ultimately led to the facet map, as it's called within the paper. And that facet map has 70 psychometrically robust, essentially unidimensional and non-redundant facets. That's really impressive. Just hearing about all the work you put in. I'm wondering how many people were involved in, well, eventually getting to this facet map. Basically four. Me, yeah. David Hughes, Tom Booth, and Alexander Takarov. I think I would build on that and say, yeah, there were four major players, but in principle, the answer is something like, you know, how many people have researched personality over the years. We, we couldn't have done this without all of the other scales that have been developed. We couldn't have done this without the IPIP and Eugene Springfield. We couldn't have done this with lots of similar work by people like Gerard Saucier. So although we were the ones, if you like, doing the laborious manual labor, we like to think of it as a real field effort in, in many respects. We tried to use a confirmatory approach, you know, as much as we could, rather than being purely exploratory and reinventing the wheel. It's really, really an inspiring and great uh, achievement, I think. So now that you spent a decade trying to get to this, to this point and the paper is finished and it's published, where would you like to see the facet map go? We hope that researchers will use the facet map to provide more precise answers to all the questions which personality researchers usually ask. And also, we hope it reduces redundancy in research, you know, rather than people studying multiple different versions of the same thing. We should be able to establish which facets relate to which socially important outcomes. And we should be able to more precisely estimate the size of the relationships. 
Other questions which could be addressed include personality development, cross-cultural research, heritability, dynamic models of personality, and person-situation relationships. It should help systematize research and provide more precise answers to the plethora of questions which personality researchers have asked in the past and will no doubt continue to ask and develop in the future. To complement that, I think the honest answer is there'll be people listening to this podcast who already know ways in which it could be used and much more creative research questions than we could come up with. But the, the bottom line is it is free, it is open access, it's psychometrically robust and non-redundant. So hopefully, whenever you want to measure personality in a nuanced way for whatever your purpose in question, this is hopefully a tool that can help facilitate that. That's a great call for uh, for future research. I mentioned that, of course, this paper is now done and the facet map is there, but does it for you also feel like your journey with this facet map is is over or do you also see a future future work for yourself with this facet map? In the really immediate future, we've got a number of projects that are already ongoing that look at things like the predictive properties of the, of the facet map and the facets in a range of different health, work and other societally important domains. We're going to be developing norm data and adding that to the, uh, the facetmap.org website so that other people who want to use it have then got benchmarks so they can use to sort of norm score their data in different things. And we're working with several teams to translate the scales into different languages so that, again, it's it's more useful and broadly applicable to the field at large. Looking a little bit beyond that, we call the version in the paper, the facet map version one, which foreshadows that we expect multiple versions. We're certain that although we've gone some way towards a comprehensive model, this is not comprehensive yet. There, there are other facets that will be important that we've we've omitted. And so one of the major questions is how can we find more things? And one approach we think would be really useful is a crowdsourcing type approach. So we're going to be hosting a number of symposia, posting a number of uh, expert meetings and sending out emails through mailing lists, essentially to ask other personality researchers around the world to have a look at the facet map and, and maybe nominate candidate traits that are important for their work that we've, we've missed. And then we can assess those and, and add them into different stages of data collection and see if they are indeed novel. If they're novel, that's great. We can add them to the facet map so that it continues to expand and grow. And if they're not novel, uh, we should be able to say, well, that trait that you're particularly interested in looks to be a combination of these two traits within the facet map. So it's a slightly broader domain that encapsulates these two facets. So you, using the wisdom of the of the field, essentially, to, to grow the map further is an important next step. As David has stated, there's a lot of work now addressing essentially the same issue of developing a complete list of non-redundant personality facets, admittedly from somewhat different perspectives, and they might not even use the word facets. So an example would be the SAPA project of David Condon, who is administering and analysing literally thousands of items with the same object as we've got, I think. And then there's Renny Mottis, who is about to publish an analysis of 98 nuances. And we've looked at this, and we see a lot of similarities with the facet map but we can also see that there's stuff that we haven't measured so we know you know we're not there yet we hope that all of this work can be consolidated by a cooperative effort such as is exemplified by the high top and i strongly feel that the field needs to cooperate and combine resources because psychology researchers 
not well funded and, and you know beavering away individually is not the most efficient way of making progress we imagine for example huge databases and meta-analytic studies which can address all the issues which are of concern to personality researchers at the same time work using diverse approaches needs to continue in order to produce the next generation consensus model of personality. There's just one final question we, we've alluded to throughout, and it's a very common one, and that is, can the facet map be used to help us adjudicate amongst different hierarchical models? And all throughout the review process, every reviewer said, are you going to factor analyze the facet map and tell us the hierarchical structure? The minute the paper went online first, and it was tweeted by Rene, the editor at the time, uh, we immediately got emails from other colleagues in the field saying, you know, what's the hierarchical structure? What does it look like? And, and the honest answer is, we, we don't know because we haven't looked. We, we stopped ourselves from looking because it's such an important question and it's one that can get quite sort of political at times people arguing over their beloved favorite structure and we think that once the facet map is in the place that it's it's close to comprehensive it really can be a useful resource to address those questions and we think might be just a smidgen premature for that now so we would like more data from broader samples it's part of the reason we're doing translation so we can get data from you know much more diverse samples collect that assess that the facet map holds in these different environments and then i think it could be a really useful tool to, to address these questions of hierarchical structure obviously in the meantime the facet map is freely available and open to use and, and we just hope that it is valuable and useful for whatever questions people think are appropriate. Yeah, and just to repeat, it's available at facetmap.org. We will also include it on the, the website for the podcast, so listeners should be able to find it. But it sounds like the, the facet map has a very bright future with a lot of interesting and, and important questions still to be answered. It also sounds like your journey with a facet map isn't quite finished yet. It sounds like there's a lot of good things still coming. For now, I would really like to thank you for talking about this paper, uh, for introducing listeners to the facet map, hopefully allowing them to use this tool in their future research and for telling me more about it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Lovely talking to you. Thank you.